Good morning, everyone. It's Thursday. Thursday is my second best day of the week because we're coming up on my first day of the week, Friday. I love Thursday and Friday. And I'm thrilled to be here with you again in this session of talking about the good things of God. <clears throat> if you're new, and this may be your first or second time, be sure and subscribe or, you know, to the YouTube or like us on Facebook and give us some comments. Good. It's good for the internet. <clears throat> Amen. Well, I've got my morning voice, so we'll see. We'll see if we can clear up as I'm speaking. But I want to talk about the grace and faith that God has given us. We're on a kind of on a roll out of the book of Romans and Galatians, talking about the redemption of God, the redemption, the bringing back to the Father, the, uh, the family, the human family that he created. Amen. Now, I have a, a my statement today is um, judgment, wrath, and separation have been taught from the pulpits. <clears throat> you may have been raised in the same type of family I was. Pretty normal, pretty, you know, middle of the road family as far as families go. I thought it was special, <laughs> obviously. But there was something my mother said that might have been a generational thing. I'm not sure. Just wait until your dad gets home. Okay. Little George had broken the rules again. And he had messed up or did something that was against, <laughs> against the rules of the house. Just wait until your dad gets home. Well, my father, being a preacher and a salesman <clears throat> and a logger, uh, he did all kinds of stuff to keep us alive. He often worked late. So I would position myself to be asleep when dad got home because I knew that that, that statement, <clears throat> just wait until your dad gets home, was a sentence. I was sentenced to, just, to judgment. He was going to apply <laughs> the switch or the belt, whatever they were using at the time. Now, I have ministered and pastored for a long time. And one of the things that we deal with that is without the Holy Spirit is almost impossible to get by. And it's how that person, especially it seems to affect the, the, uh, <clears throat> the female gender, perhaps differently than males, but it's the attitude they have toward their father. Was he a good father? Was he an attentive father? Did he ever mistreat you or did he give you, you know, the love you needed? And that shapes the life of the person, boy or girl, only in different forms for, for, their, for the future of their life. So I stand in the pulpit and I start talking about our loving Heavenly Father, and all they can hear is Father, and the shades go up, down, <laughs> the windows close, and they don't hear anything else. Why? 
because they have been abused by an earthly father, they figure that the heavenly father is the same way. Now, we have had a disproportionate teaching come across our pulpits. In my lifetime, I haven't lived them all, but in my lifetime, concerning judgment, wrath, that separates us from our Father. Who wants a God who's looking to get us? Who wants a God that's waiting for infraction of some kind so he can cut us out of the inheritance and send us back so we have to start over again? This is not hyperbole. That's a big word for early in the morning. This is not just smoke and mirrors that I'm talking about. This is what we lived as Pentecostal kids. Now, I'm I'm out of a Pentecostal background. This is not dissing the Pentecostals. It's saying this is a religious virus that goes through the churches. And it is that God is mad at you. And God was so angry that he had to take all of his wrath out on Jesus because he's such an angry God. And then they begin to read the Old Testament and try to show God as an angry God. I want to challenge you with something. I believe the Old Testament saints had a perverted sight of God. They saw him as angry. They saw him as judgmental. And that's what they wrote about. They wrote out of and they gave out of their emotional response to a father who loved them. Now, it's proven scripturally, (laughs) if you want to, that God never changes. Is that right? That's one of our favorite verses. Behold, I am the Lord God. I change not. Malachi 3.6. That's one of them. He never changes. We, we, we argue that. He's steady. He never changes. And yet we have this, this image of God in the Old Testament. And suddenly John 3.16 comes along and says, For God so loved the cosmos, everything he, everything he created, the world, that because of that, and we understand through the New Testament that before the at the foundations, at the beginning of the foundations of the world, when everything was being formed, Jesus Christ was already crucified to bring us back to the Father. Now, here we go. When we hear the teaching that if you do this, he's going to cut you off of the ankles and you'll go to hell. If you smoke and drink, if you have a bad word, you're going to hell, straight to hell. Well, okay. If you're a teenager, if you're an eight-year-old, a 12-year-old, or a teenager, you begin to get it. God's really tough, and he's just about ready to strap me. So if I don't walk right, he's going to get me. Well, somewhere in that period of time, you say, phooey, I'm tired of this burden. I'm going to go out and kick my heels up. I was raised in a generation of people, of young people. Many of them never came back to the church once they ran out and kicked their heels up. And when they came back, they came back broken or they came back, uh, you know, scarred by their journey out into the world. Now, why? 
did they run because they were they they had an image of a father, a, a heavenly father, that was had the strap out, had the rules out, and he's going to crack your knuckles if you don't behave. Now, if you haven't had that experience, you weren't in a, in a you know a religious type of setting that came across like that. You are blessed because you don't have to get rid of that baggage. And sometimes it takes a long time to unpack that attitude about God. Now, here comes Jesus then at the cross. Jesus comes and for three and a half years, actually his whole life, but three and a half years, he did nothing but show what the father was like. And he was showing it to a generation of Jewish people that had this attitude that God was severe and they had to do the rules. If they didn't cross the T's and dot the I's, you know, they were going to be crushed like a bug. And Jesus comes along and begins to express the love of God. He says, "All everything I'm doing, I'm doing because I see the Father doing it. And scripturally, God was in Jesus reconciling the world unto himself. Listen to it. God was in Jesus reconciling the world unto himself. And God was in Jesus on the cross when he was sacrificed. And why did he go to the cross? To reunite us back to his bosom because he loved us so much. So judgment and wrath and anger that is painted, you know, the whole thought about God out to get you separates us. We bury our, bury our head under the covers and hope dad doesn't know we're still awake when he comes home because we don't want to get another whipping. All right. I think I've kind of painted the picture there. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Romans uh, 5, 17. We've been here a couple of times this last couple of weeks. Let's go there again in the uh, mirror Bible. If spiritual death saw the gap in one sin, let's talk about Adam now, and grab the opportunity to <clears throat> separate man kind because of one person and to dominate them because of one person how much more may may we now seize the advantage to reign in righteousness in this life through that one act of christ who declared us innocent by his grace let's show you again now the theology of the church is pretty well set in the fact that one man's sin spread across the whole universal mankind's history, and every person that's breathing air is a sinner. That's, that's kind of 101 theology in every church that I've ever been in. Everybody's a sinner because of Adam. Now, if that's the truth then, then when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he wiped that out, and he declared everyone innocent. Whoa, wait a minute. How can that be? Well, this is what the scriptures tell us. How do we understand it? 
How do we have a concept that God forgave the world, not just little Georgie when he knelt at the altar at seven years of age, but he forgave the world. Now, what happened when I knelt at that altar? I had the scales taken away from my eyes and my understanding and my mind, and I beheld because of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit comes to us to reveal Christ in us. That's what happened to Paul. He says, I had the revelation of Christ in me. And he said, I'm taking this same revelation, not just to the nations. I'm not taking the fact that I'm not taking Christ to the nations. I'm going to preach Christ among the nations, in the nations, in the nations, not just traveling through the nations. <laughs> now, if I don't stir you to study and search and ask God, then I've missed my anointed moment because my whole passion is to whet your appetite for the word of God and for the mysteries yet to be revealed. If you, if you don't have some mysteries that you're digging at and, and cry, crying out for, you are bored and bored people get in trouble. <laughs> Ask David when he was goofing off on the roof of his palace when he should have been at, at war battling God's enemies. So stir it up. Amen. <laughs> Get involved in the passion of searching out these things to see if they be true. Now, let's go on. One man blows it. Sin has been opened up. So it, the virus hits the human race. Another man, the second Adam, steps in and goes to the cross and reunites the human race. That's why we can all come back to Christ, to God, because the door has been opened. There's nothing standing between us and the Father. He has welcomed us to his bosom. <laughs> He's declared us innocent. Grace is is out of all proportion in superiority to transgression. God's grace is out of all proportion to anything you could have ever said or done. He did it at the cross and resurrection. The conclusion is clear. It took just one offense to condemn mankind. One act of righteousness declares the same mankind innocent. All right, what do we do with that? We embrace it by faith and we receive it as our own. And we thank God that the scales have been taken off of our eyes and we begin to see past the religious uh, rhetoric of the terror of God instead of the love of God. Scripture says it's the love of God that brings us to repentance. <laughs> there were things I didn't do as a teenager because I knew it would grieve my father because I loved him too much to break certain rules. The love of God constrains us. Friday's coming. I love you all. I will see you in the morning. Don't forget, if you haven't subscribed to YouTube or, you know, did the like on Facebook and give us a share. 
share it with somebody. Thank you for your prayers and your financial support. You can get all the information below. I will see you in the morning. Until then, you are blessed beyond measure.